0: The Schoolmistress by Anton Chekhov This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Eugene Smith The Schoolmistress by Anton Chekhov At half past eight they drove out of the town The high road was dry, a lovely April sun was shining warmly, but the snow was still lying in the ditches and in the woods. Winter, dark, long, and spiteful, was hardly over. Spring had come all of a sudden. But neither the warmth nor the languid transparent woods, warmed by the breath of spring, nor the black flocks of birds flying over the huge puddles that were like lakes, nor the marvelous fathomless sky, into which it seemed one would have gone away so joyfully, presented anything new or interesting to Maria Vasilyevna, who was sitting in the cart. For thirteen years she had been schoolmistress, and there was no reckoning how many times during all those years she had been to the town for her salary, and whether it were spring, as now, or rainy autumn evening, or winter, It was all the same to her. And she always, invariably, longed for one thing only, to get to the end of her journey as quickly as could be. She felt as though she had been living in that part of the country for ages and ages, for a hundred years. And it seemed to her that she knew every stone, every tree on the road from the town to her school. Her past was here, Her present was here, and she could imagine no other future than the school, the road to the town and back again, and again the school, and again the road. She had got out of the habit of thinking of her past before she became a schoolmistress, and had almost forgotten it. She had once had a father and mother. They had lived in Moscow in a big flat near the Red Gate, but of all that life, It was left in her memory only something vague and fluid, like a dream. Her father had died when she was ten years old, and her mother had died soon after. She had a brother, an officer. At first they used to write to each other. Then her brother had given up answering her letters. He'd got out of the way of writing. Of her old belongings, all that was left was a photograph of her mother but it had grown dim from the dampness of the school, and now nothing could be seen but the hair and the eyebrows. When they had driven a couple of miles, old Semyon, who was driving, turned round and said, They have caught a government clerk in the town. They have taken him away. The story is that with some Germans he killed Alexiev, the mayor, in Moscow. Who told you that? They were reading it in the paper in Ivan tavern and again they were silent for a long time. Maria Vasilievna thought of her school, of the examination that was coming soon, and of the girl and four boys she was sending up for it. And just as she was thinking about the examination, she was overtaken by a neighboring landowner named Hanoff in a carriage with four horses, the very man who had been examiner at her school the year before. When he came up to her, he recognized her and bowed, "'Good morning,' he said to her. "'You are driving home, I suppose.' This Hanoff, a man of forty with a listless expression and a face that showed signs of wear, was beginning to look old, but was still handsome and admired by women. He lived in his big homestead alone and was not in the service, and people used to say of him that he did nothing at home but walk up and down the room whistling or play chess with his old footman. People said, too, that he drank heavily, and indeed, at the examination the year before, the papers he brought with him smelt of wine and scent. He had been dressed all in new clothes on that occasion, and Marya Vasilyevna thought him very attractive, and all the while she sat beside him, she had felt embarrassed. She was accustomed to see frigid and sensible examiners at the school while this one did not remember a single prayer, or know what to ask questions about, and was exceedingly courteous and delicate, giving nothing but the highest marks. I'm going to visit Bakvist, he went on, addressing Maria Vasilievna, but I am told he's not at home. They turned off the high road into a by-road to the village, Hanoff leading the way, and Semyon following. The four horses moved at a walking pace, with effort, dragging the heavy carriage through the mud. Semyon tacked from side to side, keeping to the edge of the road, at one time through a snowdrift, at another through a pool, often jumping out of the cart and helping the horse. Maria Vasilyevna was still thinking about the school, wondering whether the arithmetic questions at the examination would be difficult or easy and she felt annoyed with the zestful board at which she had found no one the day before. How unbusinesslike! Here she had been asking them for the last two years to dismiss the watchman, who did nothing, was rude to her, and hit the schoolboys, but no one paid any attention. It was hard to find the president at the office, and when one did find him, he would say with tears in his eyes that he hadn't a moment to spare, The inspector visited the school at most once in three years, and knew nothing whatever about his work, as he had been in the excise duties department, and had received the post of school inspector through influence. The school council met very rarely, and there was no knowing where it met. The school guardian was an almost illiterate peasant, the head of a tanning business, unintelligent, rude, and a great friend of the watchman's. AND GOODNESS KNOWS TO WHOM SHE COULD APPEAL WITH COMPLAINTS OR INQUIRIES. HE REALLY IS HANDSOME, SHE THOUGHT, GLANCING AT HANOFF. THE ROAD GREW WORSE AND WORSE. THEY DROVE INTO THE WOOD. HERE THERE WAS NO ROOM TO TURN AROUND. THE WHEELS SANK DEEPLY IN. WATER SPLASHED AND GURGLED THROUGH THEM. AND SHARP TWIGS STRUCK THEM IN THE FACE. WHAT A ROAD, SAID HANOFF, AND HE LAUGHED. The schoolmistress looked at him and could not understand why this queer man lived here. What could his money, his interesting appearance, his refined bearing do for him here, in this mud, in this godforsaken dreary place? He got no special advantages out of life, and here, like Semyon, was driving at a jog-trot on an appalling road and enduring the same discomforts. Why live here, if one could live in Petersburg or abroad. And one would have thought it would be nothing for a rich man like him to make a good road instead of this bad one, to avoid enduring this misery and seeing the despair on the faces of his coachman and Semyon, It would be nothing for a rich man like him to make a good road instead of this bad one, to avoid enduring this misery and seeing the despair on the faces of his coachman and Semyon, But he only laughed, and apparently did not mind, and wanted no better life. He was kind, soft, naive, and he did not understand this coarse life, just as at the examination he did not know the prayers. He subscribed nothing to the schools but globes and genuinely regarded himself as a useful person and a prominent worker in the cause of popular education. In what use were his globes here? Hold on, Vasilyevna, said Semyon. The cart lurched violently and was on the point of upsetting. Something heavy rolled on to Maria Vasilyevna's feet. It was her parcel of purchases. There was a steep ascent uphill through the clay, Here in the winding ditches, rivulets were gurgling. The water seemed to have gnawed away the road. And how could one get along here? The horses breathed hard. Hanov got out of his carriage and walked at the side of the road in his long overcoat. He was hot. "'What a road!' he said, and laughed again. "'It would soon smash up one's carriage.' "'Nobody obliges you to drive about in such weather?' said Semyon surlily. You should stay at home. I am dull at home, grandfather. I don't like staying at home. Beside old Semyon, he looked graceful and vigorous, and yet in his walk there was something just perceptible which betrayed in him a being already touched by decay, weak, and on the road to ruin. And all at once there was a whiff of spirits in the wood, Maria Vassilyevna was filled with dread and pity for this man going to his ruin for no visible cause or reason, and it came into her mind that if she had been his wife or sister, she would have devoted her whole life to saving him from ruin. His wife. Life was so ordered that here he was living in his great house alone, and she was living in a god-forsaken village alone, and yet for some reason The mere thought that he and she might be close to one another and equals seemed impossible and absurd. In reality, life was arranged and human relations were complicated so utterly beyond all understanding that when one thought about it, one felt uncanny and one's heart sank. And it is beyond all understanding, she thought, why God gives beauty, this graciousness, and sad, sweet eyes, to weak, unlucky, useless people. Why they are so charming. Here we must turn off to the right, said Hanoff, getting into his carriage. Goodbye. I wish you all things good. And again she thought of her pupils, of the examination, of the watchman, of the school council. And when the wind brought the sound of the retreating carriage, these thoughts were mingled with others she longed to think of beautiful eyes of love of the happiness which would never be his wife it was cold in the morning there was no one to heat the stove the watchman disappeared the children came in as soon as it was light bringing in snow and mud and making a noise it was all so inconvenient so comfortless her abode consisted of one little room and kitchen close by her head ached every day after her work and after dinner she had heartburn she had to collect money from the school children for wood and for the watchman and to give it to the school guardian and then to entreat him that overfed insolent peasant for god's sake to send her wood and at night she dreamed of examinations peasants snowdrifts, and this life was making her grow old and coarse, making her ugly, angular and awkward, as though she were made of lead. She was always afraid that she would get up from her seat and not venture to sit down in the presence of a member of the Zemstvo or the school guardian, and she used formal deferential expressions when she spoke of any one of them, and no one thought her attractive. And life was passing drearily, without affection, without friendly sympathy, without interesting acquaintances. How awful it would have been in her position if she had fallen in love. Hold on, Vasilyevna Again, a sharp ascent uphill. She had become a schoolmistress from necessity, without feeling any vocation for it, and she had never thought of a vocation. Of serving the cause of enlightenment, and it always seemed to her that what was most important in her work was not the children nor enlightenment, but the examinations. And what time had she for thinking of vocation of serving the cause of enlightenment? Teachers, badly paid doctors, and their assistants, with their terribly hard work, have not even the comfort of thinking that they are serving an idea or the people as their heads are always stuffed with thoughts of their daily bread, of wood for the fire, of bad roads, of illnesses. It is a hard-working and uninteresting life, and only silent, patient cart-horses like Maria Vasilievna could put up with it for long. The lively, nervous, impressionable people who talked about vocation and serving the idea were soon weary of it and gave up the work. Semyon kept picking out the driest and shortest way, first by a meadow, then by the backs of the village huts. But in one place the peasants would not let them pass. In another it was the priest's land, and they could not cross it. In another, Ivan Ionov had bought a plot from the landowner and had dug a ditch round it. They kept having to turn back. They reached Nizhnyagorodice, near the tavern on the dung-strewn earth, where the snow was still lying, there stood wagons that had brought great bottles of crude sulfuric acid. There were a great many people in the tavern, all drivers, and there was the smell of vodka, tobacco, and sheepskins. There was a loud noise of conversation and the banging of the swing door. Through the wall, without ceasing for a moment, came the sound of a concertina being played in the shop. Maria Vasilyevna sat down and drank some tea while at the next table peasants were drinking vodka and beer, perspiring from the tea they had just swallowed and the stifling fumes of the tavern. "'I say, Kuzma!' voices kept shouting in confusion. "'What there? The Lord bless us! Ivan Demyich, I can tell you that! Look out, old man!' A little pockmarked man with a black beard, who was quite drunk, was suddenly surprised by something and began using bad language. "'What are you swearing at, you there?' Semyon, who was sitting some way off, responded angrily. "'Don't you see the young lady?' "'The young lady!' someone mimicked in another corner. "'Swinish crow!' "'We meant nothing,' said the little man in confusion. "'I beg your pardon.' We pay with our money and the young lady with hers. Good morning. Good morning, answered the schoolmistress. And we thank you most feelingly. Maria Vasilyevna drank her tea with satisfaction, and she too began turning red like the peasants and fell to thinking again about firewood, about the watchman. Stay, old man, she heard from the next table. It's the schoolmistress from Vyazovya. We know her. She's a good young lady. She's all right. The swing door was continually banging, some coming in, others going out. Maria Vasilyevna sat on, thinking all the time of the same things, while the concertina went on playing and playing. The patches of sunshine had been on the floor. Then they passed to the counter, to the wall, and disappeared altogether. So by the sun, it was past midday. The peasants at the next table were getting ready to go. The little man, somewhat unsteadily, went up to Maria Vasilyevna and held out his hand to her. Following his example, the others shook hands too at parting and went out one after another, and the swing door squeaked and slammed nine times. Vasilyevna, get ready! Semyon called to her. They set off. And again they went at a walking pace. A little while back they were building a school here in their Nizhnya Goroditsha, said Samyan, turning around. It was a wicked thing that was done. Why, what? They say the president put a thousand in his pocket, and the school guardian another thousand in his, and the teacher five hundred. The whole school only cost a thousand. It's wrong to slander people, Grandfather. That's all nonsense. I don't know. I only tell you what folks say. But it was clear that Semyon did not believe the schoolmistress. The peasants did not believe her. They always thought she received too large a salary, twenty-one rubles a month. Five would have been enough. And that of the money that she collected from the children for the firewood and the watchman, the greater part she kept for herself, the guardian thought the same as the peasants, and he himself made a profit off the firewood and received payments from the peasants for being a guardian, without the knowledge of the authorities. The forest, thank God, was behind them, and now it would be flat, open ground all the way to Vyazovya and there was not far to go now. They had to cross the river, and then the railway line, and then Vyazovya was in sight. "'Where are you driving?' Maria Vasilyevna asked Semyon, Take the road to the right, to the bridge. Why, we can go this way as well. It's not deep enough to matter. Mind you, don't drown the horse. What? Look, Hanov is driving to the bridge, said Maria Vasilievna, seeing the four horses far away to the right. It is he, I think. It is. So he didn't find Bakvist at home what a pig-headed fellow he is. Lord have mercy upon us. He's driven over there, and what for? It's fully two miles nearer this way. They reached the river. In the summer, it was a little stream easily crossed by wading. It usually dried up in August. But now, after the spring floods, it was a river, forty feet in breadth, rapid, muddy, and cold and on the bank, and right up to the water, there were fresh tracks of wheels, so it had been crossed here. "'Go on!' shouted Semyon angrily and anxiously, tugging violently at the reins and jerking his elbows as a bird does its wings. "'Go on!' The horse went on into the water, up to his belly, and stopped. But at once went on again with an effort. Maria Vasilyevna was aware of a keen chilliness in her feet, "'Go on!' she, too, shouted, getting up. "'Go on!' "'They got out on the bank. "'Nice mess it is, Lord, have mercy upon us,' muttered Semyon, "'setting straight the harness. "'It's a perfect play with this Zemstvo. "'Her shoes and galoshes were full of water. "'The lower part of her dress and of her coat and one sleeve "'were wet and dripping. "'The sugar and flour had got wet.' And that was the worst of all. And Maria Vasilyevna could only clasp her hands in despair and say, Oh, Semyon, Semyon, how tiresome you are, really. The barrier was down at the railway crossing. A train was coming out of the station. Maria Vasilyevna stood at the crossing, waiting till it should pass, and shivering all over with cold. Vyazovya was in sight now, and the school with the green roof. "'and the church with its crosses flashing in the evening sun. "'And the station windows flashed, too. "'And a pink smoke rose from the engine. "'And it seemed to her that everything was trembling with cold. "'Here was the train. "'The windows reflected the gleaming light like the crosses on the church. "'It made her eyes ache to look at them. "'On the little platform between the two first-class carriages "'a lady was standing.' And Maria Vasilyevna glanced at her as she passed. Her mother! What a resemblance! Her mother had had just such luxuriant hair, just such a brow and bend of the head. And with amazing distinctness, for the first time in those thirteen years, there rose before her mind a vivid picture of her mother, her father, her brother, their flat in Moscow, the aquarium with little fish. Everything to the tiniest detail. She heard the sound of the piano, her father's voice. She felt as she had been then, young, good-looking, well-dressed, in a bright, warm room among her own people. A feeling of joy and happiness suddenly came over her. She pressed her hands to her temples in an ecstasy and called softly, beseechingly, Mother? And she began crying. She did not know why just at that instant Hanoff drove up with his team of four horses. And seeing him, she imagined happiness such as she had never had, and smiled and nodded to him as an equal and a friend, and it seemed to her that her happiness, her triumph, was glowing in the sky and on all sides, in the windows and on the trees. Her father and mother had never died. She had never been a schoolmistress. It was a long, tedious, strange dream, and now she had awakened. Vasilyevna, get in! And at once it all vanished. The barrier was slowly raised. Maria Vasilyevna, shivering and numb with cold, got into the cart. The carriage with the four horses crossed the railway line. Semyon followed it. The signalman took off his cap. And here is Viazovia. Here we are. End of the schoolmistress.